Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Set against the chaotic backdrop of recent events in the Middle East, Nadav's Shearman's The Green Prince retraces the details of a highly unprecedented partnership that developed between two sworn enemies in the style of a tense psychological thriller. This extraordinary documentary recounts the true story of the son of Hamas leader who emerged as one of Israel's prized informants and, and the Shin Bet agent who risked his career to protect him. We're joined today by the director of the film The Green Prince, and that is Nadav Shearman. Nadav, welcome to film school. Thank you. That's really funny because I've never been to film school. <laughs> well, there you go. Here you here you are. It's your your uh, advanced class here. Well, <laughs> seminar. Um, uh, again, uh, this is just a fascinating uh, film. Uh, I, uh, by the way, I, I try to keep my ear to the ground about uh, in news like this, uh, particularly as it relates to Israel and Palestine and the Middle East. I wasn't familiar with this. I have to admit, this is not something I knew anything about. Tell me a little bit about um, how you came to this project. Well, I'd made uh, two films prior to that, and then in, and in, uh, one was called The Champagne Spy, which was the story of a son who discovers that his father is a Mossad agent. And then the film reveals the sort of psychological toll of espionage, and it was the first time that Mossad agents were interviewed on cameras. Um, uh, and discussed, you know, the emotional price uh, of their trade. And then my second film was called In the Dark Room, and it was the story of the wife and daughter of Carlos the Jackal, who was the mm. world's most wanted terrorist in the in the 70s. And how is it to grow up the daughter of the most wanted terrorist in the world and to be married to him? Um, so, so, so my these two films dealt with family relationships that take you into, um, you know, dark and dangerous worlds of, of espionage and terrorism. And I was looking for a third part for this trilogy, and a friend of mine had alerted me to the book that Mossab had written called The Son of Hamas. Mm -hmm. And I read the book in one go, in two hours. Um, and, uh, and it was fascinating because he had this insider's perspective of Hamas. You know, he was groomed to be a future Hamas leader. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and then he was, you know, he knew everything about the organization and the way he was describing it was fascinating. So that sort of, you know, hooked me. And then I was introduced to an associate to Gonen, the Shin Bet handler. Um, and when I sat with Gonen in Tel Aviv and Gonen told me about his relationship to Mossab today, I was, you know, my, my whole body was covered with goosebumps because I'd realized that these two sworn enemies had become best of friends. Mm. Um, and, and I felt hope, not, you know, hope is a word that we use a lot, but it's just a word and there, there's a meaning to it. But it's very rare to feel this as a live sentiment. As, and I felt it so vividly that I was, you know, it made me even more curious. And then I was introduced to, to, to Mossad. We met in New York and talked for about three days and, um, and, uh, you know, and it was a process of getting to know one another and mm -hmm. then of them really trusting uh, us as the filmmakers to lead them into the more, into the, you know, the darker and, and more emotional corners of their narrative. Yeah. And once this was established, you know, we, we, we set sail. Yeah. Uh, now, as you said, the, this young man, uh, Musab Hassan Youssef, is the son of a respected, uh, greatly respected leader within Hamas. And his father's name is Sheikh Hassan Youssef. He's uh, he's one of the top Hamas leaders in the West Bank. Yeah, he was just recently arrested again. Actually, when there was this uh, the three Israeli teenagers were 
uh, kidnapped and then found dead in the West Bank. So, you know, the, the Israel uh, cracked down, and one of the first things they did was arrest his father. Okay, okay. So, so you, uh, you, you, you see this opportunity where, um, for, to begin this conversation with uh, Masab about his experiences. Um, they, now, help me out. In the film The Green Prince, it would appear, I'm, I don't think this is giving anything away, that there are some reenactments of some of these situations. Mm-hmm. The film, the, there's there's tremendous amount of amazing footage in this film, but uh, but that that part of it um, is is also helps illuminate the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me a little bit about sort of uh, did the book go into a, this level of detail in in terms of of his uh, sort of his story or? Well, not at all. The book is very the film is very different than the book. The book is is, is Mossab's story, you know, of of. Uh, uh, from his perspective, yeah, the story of his conversion, because you know, not only was he spying on his parents and on his, you know, father and on yeah. his organization, but he also converted to Christianity in the process. Right. Um, but uh, but so he was leading not a double but a triple life, you know, because right. he hid his conversion to Christianity from the Shin Bet as well. Hmm. But um, but so so the film is very different because the film is about the relationship right. between Mossab and Gonen and Gonen and Mossab. Um, okay. So they're very different uh, well, narratives. Okay, well, let, let, maybe it would help to sort of step back a second for for people who we hear these terms all the time, Hamas and, and Shin Bet. Uh, let's let's sort of define what Hamas is and what their role is in the West Bank and, and Gaza, the the Palestinian uh, territories. Well, Hamas is a uh, is the Palestinian branch of the Muslim Brotherhood, so it's uh, basically a political. Religious organization, uh, which has separate branches, you know, they have mm-hmm. branches which deal in uh, um, welfare. They build hospitals, schools, take care of the poor. They have a political branch. They, in effect, won the election, the Palestinian election, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, and uh, and took over. Uh, and then they have a military branch, which is in effect a terrorist organization, right. because they send suicide bombers to attack. Uh, different targets. So this is Hamas. It's a very complicated organization, but it's essentially the Palestinian arm of the Muslim Brotherhood. And the Shin Bet is actually um, the Israeli internal security apparatus, which is the equivalent of the FBI. Okay. So it's in charge also of uh, protecting the Constitution, but also counter-terrorism, intelligence gathering, and so on. Okay. And and currently, as my understanding is, with um, they're, in, they're sort of a coalition government now, or they're ha- it's hard to tell week to week, but with, um, um, uh, oh my gosh, I can't think of the other Palestinian. The PLO? Nah, yeah, PLO, but it's not the, the name I'm looking for. Um, but they're currently sort of, they're sort of a, a, a an uneasy coalition between. Well, in and out, yeah, the, the big difference is that one is secular, the PLO is a secular organization. Right. Uh, and then mostly rules in the West Bank, and in Gaza, the, the Hamas is a religious organization. Okay. So, okay. you know, they, 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 the mixture between religion and politics is highly explosive in that region, as you see now with ISIS and right. or ISIL, or whatever they call it. <laughs> whatever it is, this, yeah. The Islamic today. State. Right. Um, so, yeah, so it's very dangerous. I, that, that's one thing which is interesting, because Mossab's father is actually, you know, he's an imam, he's a religious leader. He's a spiritual religious leader, and he came from that, you know. And a lot of these people were, you know, absorbed into Hamas, and the more political it became, the more they were needed to sort of, you know, gather votes and so on and so forth. It's a very dangerous mixture when you mix, uh, I believe, when you mix religion and politics. Oh, absolutely. Well, and Fatah was what I was looking for. The, the, Fatah, the, yeah. Yeah, that's the PLO. That, yeah, the PLO. Thank you. 
So, okay, so we have these, the, 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 the uh, we have um, Wasab and his handler, uh, who they're developed, and in the film, they're beginning to develop this relationship and, and how that evolves. Um, what was the, uh, was there, you, you were talking Masab and developing the relationship and the trust. What was it like to, uh, with, uh, um, I'm sorry. I'm, Gunen. Gunen, thank you. Again, uh, that same process, was there sort of a... a yeah, well, they, it was essential because as you see in the film, you know, they share very deep, intimate, yeah. dangerous secrets with yeah. us. So they had to be very trusting. And Gunen said something very interesting, actually, as we were filming. He said, he told me that for the first time, he felt that he was being handled. Mm. You know, he was used to handling sources, and he felt that I, as the director, was handling him. And then it made me think about the similarities between, yes. you know, handling a source and handling an actor or a subject or a protagonist, you know, and it's very similar, very similar. And, and you know, in the same way that we do mise-en-scene and, 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 and set the stage, so to speak, for certain performances, whether they're within interviews or, or with actors on a, on a fictional set, the Sheen Bed does very much the same thing during interrogations, you yeah. know? Yeah. So it's very, very similar kind of uh, lines of, uh, of work in a way, you know? And, and uh, it was very interesting to discover this. Okay, and again, uh, we'll go back. Not I don't want to give a lot more away about the film, but let's go back to the basics. So Masab's been arrested for uh, for carrying uh, guns that he had purchased from mm-hmm. some source, and he ends up in an Israeli prison, and he is... Now, they know right away who he is. Is that... They understand who he is, of course, right away. Of course. So, so he's he's a highly valued target, target asset, however you want. Yeah, well, yep. at this point, just a target. But then he he then is after they've interrogated him, they release him into a, a prison in in the West Bank. That no, is the prison in Israel. They they after oh, they interrogate him and they he sort of agreed to work with them. His first reason uh, for agreeing to work with the Israelis was just simply to get out of prison, to right. get out of this interrogation facility. Right. And then, you know, he, he said that he's going to, his plan was actually to go back to the Hamas people in prison and to say, listen, the Israelis offer me to work with them. I said yes, but my plan is to kill my handler. Right. And then the Hamas guys in prison, you know, didn't believe him, and they started also questioning him. Not only that, when he was in prison, he witnessed atrocious uh, torture going yeah. on, where Hamas would suspect other Palestinians of collaborating with the Israelis, and they would torture them horribly and extort false confessions, and that sort of rocked his world, you know? Yeah, well, that, that, that's, that's really where his, he begins to turn, his, his whole perspective, and his, as he says in the film, this is what my father would tell us at the, at the table, at the dinner table, night after night, that he serves from Hamas, and 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 he had an he had a different perspective of what Hamas was until he saw the actions of the people yeah. in prison, and that's yeah. that's really the nexus of why he he became uh, an asset for the Israeli uh, intelligence. Well, agent. it was a process, you know. It was a process of things. That was one thing, and then also once he met with his handlers, you know. And you've got to understand, for most Palestinians, as Gunen says in the movie, the Shin Bet's handler is the devil himself, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So they go in there thinking that they're going to be coerced, they're going to be forced at gunpoint, or you know, there's a rampant, like, silly belief in the in the streets. That you know, that people are going to be asked to uh, uh, to have sexual intercourse with their sisters, and then film it, and then this would be used for coercion. So there's all sorts of like rampant um, fake beliefs, you know. 
Yeah. And then and then one goes in and realizes that they, you know, actually no, they want you to to finish school, they want you to do well, they want you to be a model citizen. Um and that sort of, you know, rocks the world. Yeah, that 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 is seems to be such a a a, a a problem. I mean, it's obviously there's so many issues at stake uh, when we talk about Palestine and Israel and the Middle East, but uh, uh, just a sheer lack of uh, knowledge, basic knowledge about the, the the world outside of that um, part of the world. On this, both sides, on both sides, yeah, actually. Is you know, it? One thing that I discovered also in the process of interviews is that uh, you know many of the Palestinians know actually know nothing about the Israelis. They've been demonized. Yeah. You know, and, and, and Muslim talks about it very eloquently, that he was learning, you know, things which he had no clue. Yeah. You know, because, because growing up, they were told, you know, the Israelis do, they're, they're, they're such and such people, and they do such and such things. And, and gradually, you know, he was telling us how he realized that, you know, this was not the case. Yeah. And, 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 and in essence, when one of the things which is the most interesting, and, and he talks about it very eloquently in the film, it was a, for him it was a journey of gaining consciousness, of gaining knowledge, you know? Because yeah. growing up in a very fundamental society where knowledge is not easily accessible, all of a sudden his mind opens up to other things, to democracy, to the rule of law, to philosophy, to other things, and, you know, and he's a very spiritual, curious, intelligent person. So, you know, he, he was feeding off of many different uh, uh, knowledge bases which were made available to him, you know? Yeah. Um, I want to remind our listeners, we're speaking with uh, Nadav Sherman. He is the director of the film The Green Prince. It comes out uh, today. That would be uh, September 12th. Uh, and um, and I'm sure rolling out around the country as well. Um, what was the most challenging thing uh, in terms of, you've already described sort of the, the uh, gaining the confidence of the principals in the film. Um, was there any sort of anything outside of the realm of this, you know, the people that you were talking with that was the most, cha- what was a challenging part of making well, listen, this? Well, you know, you have to, don't, don't forget, we're dealing with masters of deceits. You yeah. know, both these gentlemen are master spies. Yeah. You know, they, 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 they're prof- they, they professionally evolved in a world of lies and deceit. So the big challenge is to elicit, you know, truth. Yeah. And I mean, on the one hand, you know, both both gentlemen were very, you know, trusting and eager to, 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 to share the truth. And at the same time, our role was sort of to set the stage to sort of, you know, force them to examine their narrative in a different way, in a more emotional way. Mm-hmm. So, for example, we built sets of which the walls were 30 foot high, mm. you know, which was pretty intimidating. And then we used a, a device called the Interotron, which was invented by Elmore Morris. You know, oh, yeah. Okay. They look straight into your eyes, in effect, you know. So yeah. that acts as a truth, as a lie detector, in a way. Uh, and also, you know, allows you to create a first-person contact. Um, so, so you know, different different cinematic devices, you know, that that we use in the process of these interviews, uh, which I'm sure at certain times must have felt like interrogations themselves. Yeah. Um, so it was very interesting. Well, how did they? Did, was there a different reaction from from the two of them, or were there? Did you feel that? I mean, did is there a point in which you did you call them on something, or did you feel like you know they were pretty straight up with you throughout the entire entire process? Uh, yeah, very. But also, you know, some some parts were hard to go back into. You know? Yeah, yeah. And then and, and and very emotional. And and I remember sometimes, you know, we I would ask a question and the answer would be, you know, forty minutes long, and I would look 
in the corner from the corner of my eyes and see the whole crew crying you know the sound man and the and the assistant cameraman were crying and i was like oh my god we are so beeped because then you'd have to cut this you know and uh <laughs> so 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 uh no it was a fascinating process it was a fascinating process yeah what in terms of your own sort of personal perspective uh what do you come away from in terms is there, it can we extrapolate can we kind of can we extrapolate kind of the bigger picture here in that's very interesting because I, at first i didn't think so because for me this is a very human you know story but at the same time one thing i realized and, and yeah, is that you know the film opened in israel right the week after the american-led peace process had collapsed and then it sort of made me think. And, 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 and one thing you realize, in this story, you know, Mossab and Gunen reached that level of relationship because they took the risk to trust one another. And it's a risk. Um, but without taking that risk, there is no chance at proximity or at relationship. And when you look at the peace process, you, you, you saw that, you know, the people at the table, nobody was willing to take the risk to trust the other side. Yeah. So without taking that risk, is it possible to create a relationship? So, you know, that was that was one thing which was very interesting. Another thing is that, you know, we screened it in different parts of the world. So in America, you know, people responded with a tremendous sense of hope. In Israel also, the film was embraced literally by the left and right. So it acted as a very unifying sort of element. And then I remember we screened in Moscow at the Moscow International Film Festival. Um, and the screenings were packed and they had to add more screenings and at the end you know the the, the audience rewarded the film was a was their audience award there and, and this is a very different culture the russians you know they the, the palestinian israeli conflict does not occupy their mind uh does not occupy their news like it does here or or in europe you know so but they were responding to something completely different in the film they were responding to the fact that both these gentlemen you know were following their own moral compass and went against their respective systems and mm. spoke up, mm. which for the Russians is very meaningful. Yeah. So that was very interesting to see how different cultures react differently to the uh, to the film. That's fascinating. That's fascinating about the reaction in in Israel as well. Um, yeah, it was tremendous. It was tremendous. It still is. Listen, the film opened in May, and it's still going. It's four months in the cinemas. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. wow. And, and uh, just in terms of um, any. Um, blowback on on his father, on uh, Sheikh uh, Yosef. Well, I don't know. You know, I don't know what position that uh, that 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 puts him. You know, but uh, I'm just curious if there if you if there is you know not I, that I know of yeah. yet. Okay, he was arrested uh, recently. I, yeah, but, you said. Uh, yeah. Well, does. In, a, in in sort of it updating the, this reaction, you were talking about the reaction of, I mean, the actions of Hamas in, in that prison when people were tortured and all. I know that when in one of the ceasefires uh, in the recent um, conflict in uh, in Gaza, one of the first things that was uh, that I read about, first things in reaction to the ceasefire was uh, Hamas lined up a bunch of people that they suspected of being collaborators. Mm-hmm. with the Israelis and shot them. Yeah, but, but what's crazy is that, when, and I've learned this only through, through Mossad because people don't talk about these things usually, that you know, th- there's also a certain degree of false, uh, coerced, extorted confessions. So in effect, you don't even know if this, these, these are real uh, collaborators or not. Yeah. It, it, it's, you know, I mean, when you watch a film like this and you see, I mean, you know, obviously the emotions run high on both sides. It's a, 
we're now in four almost 50 years since the uh, this the 66 war 50 yeah 50 years um uh just is there is do you uh, do, do you want to extrapolate into in beyond you know the, the sort of the politics of all this is that something that you, you feel comfortable talking about because you just wonder i mean where what happens with gaza what happens with the west bank they they become uh really separate entities in in that part of the world there i don't personally see how gaza is ever connected to the west bank again but very complicated situation. i know i know it is very complicated i, I know i know i i just i'm just curious if there's you see a ray of hope in all of all of the uh you know the madness um it, I mean, on the human level, yes, and this is exactly what the film is about. Yeah, you're right. On the human level, you see, everything is possible. Yeah, who that's would have tr- thought? <laughs> that's you know, who would have thought? Yeah, well, that's true. Well, um, it, a wonderful film, and uh, it, I just want to let our audience know that it was an audience award winner at the as for World Cinema Documentary at Sundance, and um, and obviously doing uh, playing uh, you know well received around the world, which has got to be hardening. Now. Uh, does does a film like this you mentioned um Israel obviously uh Russia and other is this a film that is going to we're going to see worldwide uh, beyond beyond yeah, what you yeah, just yeah. It was it's going to open in cinemas in the UK uh, in Australia in New Zealand in Germany okay. in Poland pretty much all over the world United States it opened first in Israel in May it's still playing there yeah. the second territory is the United States it opened September 12th and it's going to roll out gradually um, and then it's going to be released in the UK, Australia, New Zealand, Poland, Germany, okay. Russia, and okay. so on. I just wonder because sometimes you know the um, the Americans have uh, have sort of a glancing interest uh, in this region of the world when it when it's forced to thrust upon them they they become interested and I I, I it's disheartening for me as someone who does pay attention to this that this is something that we need to be paying attention to for a lot of reasons. Uh, for the humanity, for the humanitarian reasons alone, we should be uh, engaging people in, in the region of the world uh, so that, you know, so that the, the worst things don't always happen. Um, well, I, yeah. Oh, well, I thank you so much for, for being a part of film school. Uh, the film, again, is The Green Prince. Uh, the director is uh, Nadav Sherman and... Uh, and uh, it's been a it's been an honor and a pleasure to have you on Film School. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. All the best. God bless. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.